Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Helen. I'm Stephen. And today we have with us on the New Statesman podcast, Henry Zeffman, our acting Staggers editor, because this is a special extra bonus at no extra cost. Not that there is a cost anyway, <laughs> but if there were, this would be at no extra cost. Isn't the um, cost having to listen to me talking about advert. exporting? Yes. Oh, are, we back? are we still on exporting? Um, but anyway, which is good. And, and do you know what? I'm in favour of exporting. This is actually some good viral ambush marketing we're doing right now, isn't it? <laughs> Um, anyway, um, but more importantly, uh, just a special a little quick hit because we thought it'd be good to now we've got the vast majority of the election results. I don't think there's anyone still dribbling in. I bet there's some council seat somewhere. That, let's be fair, that hasn't declared yet that we can have a proper reflection on, on what they can tell us, which as far as I can see, Stephen, is lots of different things in different places. There is no one narrative that you can pull out of these election results. Um, yeah, no, I think that's broadly fair. I mean, I think the, the the one narrative you can you can pull out from it from all of them is that, uh, and actually you can pull this out from the good results as much as the bad, is that Labour is not on course to win a Commons majority or anything like it in 2020. Although the reasons are more interesting than the kind of Corbyn good, Corbyn bad kind of argument. Yeah, well, I'm so I remember that the last election, I think it was Philip Cowley identified different strata. Do you remember of the population? And they had one that was Liberal Metropolitan Elite, and this is eight percent of. And these were the people who would have voted for the Greens, say in London. Corbyn has got that vote bang up, hasn't he? Like that's what one of the lessons I think from London and from Bristol is that middle class professionals who are quite affluent who wouldn't mind paying a bit more tax are fine, are really on board with the Corbyn project. Well, I, I mean, so yeah, ba- basically. Uh, and not just that too, you know, Crawley. So anywhere where you have a kind of middle class public sector professional base to, to draw on, and anywhere where people put wind chimes in their their front <laughs> their front doors, uh, Labour is doing very well. I mean, if you if you plotted Labour's election performance onto the demographics of the United States, then you've actually got a fairly crushing landslide. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I can't remember what it was since Suzanne Evans said when she was explaining why UKIP do badly in London, uh, educated, cultured, and young, or something. Mm. And and in all of the places where people are educated, cultured, and young, uh, all of the places which look like the Britain of the future, Labour has done very well, apart from in Scotland. And this is going to help Labour in municipal elections for as long as Jeremy Corbyn is leader and and, and probably beyond. Uh, they will always do well in city elections, which are essentially two-horse races. So in Bristol, that was a two-horse race between the Independent and Labour. Uh, and in London, that was between Labour and the Conservatives. But when it comes to a parliamentary election, 
all that really means is stockpiling votes uh, in constituencies which Labour already hold. I thought that was really interesting. Emily Thornby did a good, I thought this was a good attempt at a kind of coming in line from it in a sort of pro-Corbyn um, way, which was like, you know, well, these elections have been very difficult to, to, to kind of take any narrative from, but let's look at the London mayor election, which is the one straight Labour-Tory contest in this. And you're kind of like, yes, that is a good way of looking at it. But quite a lot of elections, and certainly the next election for Westminster, will not be a straight Labour-Tory Yes, I mean, that, that's actually a, 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 all credit to Emily Thornberry with coming up with a sort of more sophisticated uh, pro-Corbyn or not anti-Corbyn line than, than some of her colleagues. But uh, no, that, that that's nonsense. Uh, uh, but the consti- other mayoral elections have been pretty good for Labour as well, haven't they? So yeah, Newcastle sure. and Manchester, and and these are these, and Liverpool, and, uh, and these are positions yeah. that have actual real power, right? Pro uh, before and after Devo Mank reaches its full yeah. fruition. I mean, because the, the interesting thing is, is that for the moment, and my expectation is the SNP will take control of Glasgow Council next year. But at the moment, every great city. Don't write in. Uh, every great city is run by the Labour Party. London, Manchester, Glasgow, Edinburgh. Actually, uh, Worcester's no overall Bur- control now, so you have, I've, I've already debunked your thesis, <laughs> uh, Stephen. Birmingham, Bristol. Um, the fascinating place is Stroud, actually, which does not fit remotely the play. should not have a Labour council, shouldn't really have had a Labour MP from 2005 to 2010. So it's a fascinating place, and I'm going to visit and, and, and write about properly. At Be afraid, people of Stroud. The other He's really coming. interesting thing about uh, Labour running all these great cities is, is they're not necessarily figures from, from Labour's left, from the Jeremy Corbyn tendency of the Labour Party who have these great powers. So in London, Sadiq Khan... Uh, has, soft I mean, left, he was I always soft left, here. although he appears to be on a journey towards Labour's centre-left, and I hope that's not too controversial, but the idea that he may be appointing Jackie Smith as his deputy mayor for policing, there might be a role for the arch-Blairite Andrew Adonis uh, in his City Hall administration. I mean, that that is a real... Uh, I feel Andrew Adonis is a bit like a Pokemon or something, like everybody has to collect him. Yeah, I mean, he Just seems to be the only person who knows how to make transport uh, infrastructure happen, so uh, I don't really know which Game Boy colour pokemon game that's a level on but uh he certainly <laughs> completed it pokemon game. uh yeah well uh and oh, i've really not i've not played since pokemon red so i don't fight really know. run borrow to invest <laughs> um. <laughs> but but sorry the point i was making uh, aside from from pokemon sorry i didn't mean uh, to derail side, you no that's fine i was more of a digimon man anyway uh i don't the, even know uh, what that as discussed did, i'm so old i don't know what that you is don't, you know, digimon was one which uh had the theme tune did 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 digimon little monsters digimon are the champions you don't remember that I can't believe that people aren't paying for this when there's so, no so musical interlude The point as well. I was making before that uh, luscious uh, musical interlude is that this is a real opportunity for the centre-left of the Labour Party to show that they can govern. Uh, these cities can become sort of laboratories for policy innovation. Uh, and they can, while, uh, as they would have it, uh, the Labour Party on a national level in the House of Commons is messing about with, with unelectable proposals and irrelevant side issues uh they can say well look we are taking advantage of these new new powers that george osborne is giving us uh for whatever reason uh and and we are governing in interesting innovative ways we are uh ameliorating the impact of conservative policies on these cities it's a really big opportunity for the labor party even if it's not the route to electoral success it is an opportunity to actually change the country and if it's going to be uh, as long until the next Labour majority government, uh, as many of us think, uh, well, this is an opportunity for people to actually do stuff in the meantime, even if it's at a local level. The, the other sort of fascinating untold story of the locals was that 
uh, than everywhere which has had You're going to say Lib Dem fight back? Oh, yeah, there no, was a Lib Dem fight there back. There was, yes. Although we I, laughed I, last I, week. I, I sneered at Lib Dem fight back <clears throat> and I am going to eat crow. It, I was wrong. The Lib Dems had a lot of great results. They reclaimed third place from UKIP, which means they don't have to go through a, a playoff to qualify for the Champions League. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they had a phenomenal set of results. Tim Farron would beat Nigel Farage in a fight. No. No, no. Come on, Nigel Farage is really wheezy. Yeah, but he'd just yeah. get a pint glass out of his back pocket and <laughs> smash it over Farron's head. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen. Farron would be fighting with a sort of twig or something. Yeah, Farron would be turning the other cheek. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> yeah, he's, right. he's big into all of that stuff, isn't he? Like, um, <laughs> Anyway, if you have an opinion on who would uh, <laughs> win, win a fight, fight. do tweet us. Yeah. Um, everywhere which has had a devolved institution since 1999 turnout was either at or above its record level record mm. turnout in uh london record turnout in scotland record turnout uh in wales and in scotland the official opposition let's not forget in scotland the conservatives now were against the whole thing when it started so the quiet success of devolution as a a policy place which people have, have built into and are very enthusiastic a lot of people like to say that the rising support for scottish independence is a kind of argument against evolution i find the idea that people wanting more power is an argument against giving them power a little bit suspect but um but um so one of the things i find really interesting about um scotland is obviously the way that you present the results that the narrative is very much you know, tories kind of back from the dead um labor is still bleeding away lost you know it wasn't a great night for the smp but from an extremely high watermark so it's not like anybody can be rude to them you know only getting whatever it is 45 percent of the vote but there's no one, there is absolutely no one, as far as I can see, have picked up calling for Kezia Dugdale, the leader of Scottish Labour, to resign. Because people recognise that her job is enormously thankless and really difficult and will take a really long time, probably more than one electoral cycle, maybe more than two. They don't say that about Jeremy Corbyn, which indicates that for all everybody keeps saying Labour is incredibly unelectable at the next election, we can't see how there's a route back to power. They don't feel that sense of hopelessness that would then be kind of, you know, that would then... I mean, I think a couple of things. I'd say one, give it a week. (laughs) I just think, is there anyone actually left? But I I think it's more a a function of hopelessness that no one is as yet bothered to call for Kezia Dugdale to resign. I don't think it's that they all think she's done a sterling job in tough circumstances. I think it's that... No one else Some of them it. just think the circumstances are so tough that it's kind of irrelevant who's in charge of Scottish Labour for I now. Mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the fact that you know Scottish Labour uh, are, fact, are no longer bold men fighting over a comb, it's decapitated men fighting over a comb. But but I think they, they will still be fighting over that comb a bit in, in the coming days, weeks and months. I think in some ways she did very lucky coming third. If she mm-hmm. had come second, uh, I think there would have been enough people who would have thought oh maybe you know maybe the tide's coming in for us i quite like the idea of it now people are aware that there's a lot of flaw still to come because in some ways some of the reaction to the scottish result uh south of the border was a bit overwrought and then people saying oh labor needs to win canterbury to win a majority of 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 six or whatever well they needed that anyway because the scottish majorities were so big and actually in terms of labor's commons position in scotland um, this is a counterintuitive take, but if you look at the wards, it's true. It was actually quite a good night for them yeah. in Scotland because they won Edinburgh Southern, which shares most of the wards um, of uh, of Ian Murray's seat in, of Edinburgh South. Uh, we know from the Lib Dems, and if you can control every layer, 
than you represent. He who you rocks are, the council, yeah. rules the world. And yeah, they are still in power, albeit in coalition with the SNP on Edinburgh Council. So if next year they can win the seats in, in the Edinburgh South Ward, they control it at a Holyrood level and they control it at Westminster, actually Labour's Scottish position in some ways is... is, is, is From is, a is, low baseline, yeah. doesn't get worse. You're also totally right, Helen, to point out that devolution saved the Scottish Conservatives, not just by the very fact of devolution, but by the electoral system that they're using. Uh, so the, the regional... Don't explain the DeHaan uh, I'm not we explaining it, but, but, the, but my point, my, in, in as layman terms as, as I can understand, let alone uh, anyone with a life, um, the regional vote kept... Scottish Tories in Holyrood for ages, and this, but 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 now that they've had Ruth Davidson as a list MEP, uh, MSP, for example, uh, raising the profile of the Scottish Conservatives and riding tanks and bulls, uh, she has won a constituency seat, yeah, and that's really she? interesting because having been saved by the regional seat, they now have the opportunity to become entrenched in a few uh, Scottish Parliament constituencies, which may give them some hope of actually clawing back the odd seat in Westminster when it comes to 2020. I think that all the talk about her coming down to Westminster is exactly the kind of thing that is calibrated to keep people voting for the SNP. Mm. Like, oh, you're having fun in your little parliament, but maybe you'll come down and like play with the big boys. And I think it's a measure of maybe how people don't realise how much Scottish political culture feels... You know, people feel that the major decisions in their life often are being controlled in Scotland. They don't feel that they've Mm. got a kind of diddy, adorable Playmobil parliament. That's right. Um, I don't think it will happen, and I don't think it would work if it did happen. I think the instant she came and became the Conservative candidate for a safe seat in the home counties, uh, that's the moment that her unique sui generis appeal is shattered. But also, she's got no base. I mean, she'd be sure, so... I, I, who would be her kind of, you know, David Knights in the Westminster uh, Party? It's sort of it's, one of those things where you just people say it and you kind of go, are you just saying that just so that you can say that you like her? She's very close to the work and pension secretary, Stephen Crabb, and it's far more likely that she would be an evangelist for a Crabb leadership campaign than that she would come down and try and assume that mantle herself. I was just thinking for our own joy that if Stephen Crabb became... Conservatively, that would be a, like a headline writer's gift. Also, people with short names should definitely become have more success in politics. It's just a lot easier to deal with. That's true. So Bush trumps Zeffman. Bush does trump. Yeah, no, it's really it is really. Syllable. Do you remember when when people have like Blair Brown? Cameron is like sometimes the Mm. sun has to go Cam. Like this is a real this is a real problem. If you if if you were called something, if you had one of those like Sri Lankan names that goes on for three (laughs) days, it would be very difficult for you to become British Prime Minister. Anyway, sorry. That's definitely the only reason. Stephen, I'm babbling. Uh, yes, but uh, speaking of Stephen Crabb, who obviously is a Welsh MP, Wales. Mm. Um, Good segue. Yeah, that was yeah, that was an amazing segue. Keep going, right you there. can do it. Come Wales. On. Um, so Wales was very interesting in that um, Carwin Jones, the leader of uh, the Welsh Labour Party, took a decision that lots of people, including myself, have been fairly critical of. And then he told uh, canvassers not to talk about Europe on the doorstep. So in some parts of the country, people have been campaigning for both. Obviously, we're seven weeks away from it. Now, obviously, that probably has set back the pro-European campaign in Wales. However, although UKIP did very well on the list, uh, they did not do as much damage to the Welsh party in the constituencies as we feared they might. So that decision appears to have been partially validated. And UKIP got kind of the amount of um, assembly members that you would expect from their overall polling result. It's more a function of the fact that they've been kind of really brutally left out by first past the post at Westminster, right? Given that they're still polling 12%, they ought to have far more representation in our And the whole point of the devolved uh, 
generations. I'm not going to bore on about Dehon, but the idea is what you effectively do is you have your disproportional first pass to first roll, and then you use the list system to kind of correct slightly the uh, the disproportionality. Um, and he, they also did get lucky in that uh, Plaid Cymru fought a very, I'm actually going to say selfish campaign on, on, on the part of Leanne Wood in that um, they... So she, she took out Leighton Andrews, didn't she? Leighton and Andrews. overturned quite a big majority oh, yeah, of his... It was an astonishing result. Swing. So 6,000 Labour majority is now a... Uh, is 3,000? Yeah, 3,000. Which is... Seems very impressive, right? But then you look at the the close run fights, which they lost narrowly, and you think about the amount of money they spent in the Ronda getting their leader elected. But this is exactly the argument that the Greens had at the general election about whether or not they were going to try and put all huge amount of resources into getting Natalie Bennett elected in. She ran against Keir Starmer, yeah, didn't she, and Stephen Coburn and St Pancras. Or Caroline, you know, how much when you're a party like that should you try and get your leader into into power? Yeah, and I mean, I think with with the Greens, it's very different because of first past the post. I mean, I think it was a mistake for Natalie Bennett to to stand. stand. But for the Greens, they basically have two seats, and there it's worth resourcing uh, uh, whichever Bristol seat it is. Then Thangham Debonair west. is west. west is the MP for uh, Brighton and arguably Norwich South. I know I said two, and I, I lied. Um, <laughs> whereas with Plaid. They had lots more winnable seats. Mm. Um, they're now, to be honest, going to be fairly powerless in this parliament. Uh, the Welsh Labour Party is too short of a majority, but to be frank, it looks very difficult to imagine a situation in which all of those parties could combine against them. Um, and I think that her approach of attempting to burrow out from Labour's left is not working very well for them. Okay, I'm going to apologise to our listeners. I think we should skip Northern Ireland because I think I think it's fair to say none of us are Northern Ireland experts. We've had um, Siobhan Fenton writing on the website very um, well from that, so that's on the staggers if you want to read it. But let's finish up with a little bit of London, a little bit of London, just because I think there is a fundamental question, which is uh, how is that Corbyn's victory or not? Yes, it's Corbyn's victory. Would would be my take. Yeah, Sadiq Khan for a very good campaign that I think probably did get him some votes from people who wouldn't have like who you know, didn't want to vote for Jeremy Corbyn. However, if you look at some of the places, particularly what happened to the Green vote, uh, particularly in the first round this time, there is that same benefit. Yeah, you know, that same effect that you saw in Bristol, in Norwich. Big, you know, big metropolitan centres are places where Corbyn's brand of politics does well. And uh, and so they they kind of helped each other out a bit, I think. Um, well, I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, if it had been narrower, uh, you could have said, "All right, well, Sadiq Khan has done a great job here, broadening uh, his own appeal, broadening the appeal of Ken Livingstone's coalition, uh, expanding into the outer reaches of Boris Johnson's donut." I've really bastardised that metaphor. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he so in Ealing and Hillingdon. Uh, but, he did very well in Barnet. He probably lost fewer votes than uh, for, because of Ken Livingstone's Nazi comments uh, than he might have done if he'd uh, taken longer to condemn him. Uh, I mean, you can see the effects of Ken Livingstone and Labour Party's last few weeks in some of the Greater London Assembly results. Uh, so Barnet and Camden's GLA seat was closer than it might have been, uh, even though Labour retained it. Uh, but the big one is Havering and Redbridge, yeah. uh, which it's astonishing that Labour came so close to winning. Uh, but a reflection of various things, including the bedroom tax. Uh, but Labour came very close to winning, didn't win it. Uh, Wes Streeting, who's the MP for Ilford North, which is one of the uh, Westminster constituencies included in that, uh, tweeted 
quite explicitly, Ken Livingstone has cost us this Greater London Assembly seat. But I think I agree with Stephen that the, the broader London picture is that people who otherwise would have cast votes for uh, the Green candidate, Sean Berry, uh, were very happy to cast them for yeah. the Labour Party. I felt, sorry, I also felt it was a very old-fashioned campaign in the sense that it was very much, obviously it has to be a personality-led campaign, it's a mayoral one, but it was about his kind of competence, right? And about his, but, and it also bored journalists, which I think like when journalists are bored, then your message is finding it like, well, who was he the son of? Oh, he's the son of a bus driver. But, you know, that he, they, they, they just had a couple of messages. I saw, You know, it was really funny to watch him on the Andrew Marr program on Sunday because he obviously looked incredibly tired, had a cold. And it was like he was now just a sort of slot machine where if you press the button, he started talking about the fair freeze and he just kind of couldn't stop himself. But that means that that same stump speech has... And the other thing is that they had an enormous number of debates between the two of them. Like, this is a really an election where, where the lines got really honed and he got really good at arguing against Zach. Not that... It turns out that that was a, that mm. tough an ask, but in the sense of going out and, and and having to fight your case, he's had a lot more experience than I think maybe a lot of candidates have yeah. had. And I think they did they did learn the lessons. And uh, actually, uh, George has written a very good piece on this. They did learn a lot of the lessons of the Ed era failure. One of which was an Ed loved to get a headline through announcing a policy, but you need to just repeat, repeat, repeat. Whereas they basically announced all of their policies in January and just repeated them. Uh, very ruthlessly. And they didn't complain about the media. And I know this is something that obviously as the, the media, as spokesman for the media, but I do think there is a really troubling strain at the moment that seeks to blame the media for not covering things in the way you would like, as if that's sort of kind of completely out of your hands as a political party, that, that you just can't do anything about it. I mean, also the thing is he did have, I think, far and away the most hostile press the of any Labour candidate, yeah. Flaming buckets of shite over him yeah. at regular intervals. Yeah, the, the Daily Zack was, uh, sorry, the Evening Zack was fairly. There was one day when it was like, you know, yeah, you know, I, I I finished my books. So I thought I'll read the standard front page. Zack Goldsmith. Oh, I turned it over. Back page. Spurs. And it was just like, oh, this is just, it's like a newspaper made of everything I hate in the world. I mean, I do think it's oh. worth saying, despite the relentless uh, press hostility, which is always going to be there for any Labour mayoral candidate, uh, whoever you want to attribute this victory to, Jeremy Corbyn, Sadiq Khan, whatever, it was not a perfect test of what wins in the sense that he was up against a really lacklustre campaign, quite aside from its nasty race-baiting, I was about to say edges, but actually core. Uh, I think the general kind of received wisdom now is that it had to be a nasty campaign because there was no candidate candidate to sell, so you had to sell fear, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that might be true electorally. I don't think it uh, makes it justifiable morally. But, uh, <laughs> no, that is to, a different issue. But you know what I mean is that uh, actually a, a, a positive, a, you know, I think they thought they were getting Boris and then they didn't get Boris and then they panicked and they kind of had to then go to like, what's what's number two in our armory? Okay. I'm not He's convinced that true. that's true. I think there was a, a strong, if still uh, difficult uh, to win campaign that the Tories could have run against Sadiq Khan as a kind of chameleon a policy chameleon so when he was uh, the junior transport minister he advocated repeatedly in the house of commons for a third runway at heathrow then when he decided he wanted to be london mayor he started opposing a third runway at heathrow it looks like he might have in city hall as his transport advisor andrew adonis who was his boss as transport secretary who is very much a fan of a third runway at heathrow at some point the government is going to announce where they stand on a third runway at heathrow what is sadiq khan yeah. going to say i mean there's there's those kinds of issues because sadiq has been on a kind of circuitous 
political journey. Mm. He's he's taken in various different factions of the Labour Party. Uh, and that was the campaign the Tories should have run. They should have said, uh, "What? where does this man actually stand within the Labour Party? He nominated Jeremy Corbyn, voted for Andy Burnham, and now seems to be running from the right. There, there was a, a line of argument. They could have there. got back that chameleon suit. That if you remember, um, Theo Bertram used to work in number 10 and now works at Google, told a great anecdote during the election about them deciding to run a David Cameron is a chameleon costume. Yeah. But they couldn't, they had to, he had to wear it while riding a bike. So they had to commission a special chameleon costume at enormous expense. And then it was very difficult to use. Somewhere out there, is that chameleon costume they could have dusted that off and bought that off the Labour Party yeah I I think Henry is exactly right and I think that uh, Sadiq was in many ways a much more beatable campaign candidate and instead it basically became the pearl of anecdote isn't data but this is very much the impression I've had when I've talked to people not just in my own area which is obviously a bit of a lefty bubble but around around London then it became a don't vote for that douchebag goldsmith Let's vote for the other guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, ultimately, then Sadiq managed to not just defeat Zach Goldsmith, but beat him quite handily yeah, in the air in the area directly under the flight path. I mean, opposing Heathrow is like Zach Goldsmith's only thing, and he couldn't even get votes on that. And he did decide that he was going to come out for Brexit, which again is one of those things where it's not like the London mayor is in kind of in charge of that, so you might have just kind of could have played that slightly down a little. So on one level, that was sincere of Goldsmith. We know he's a Brexiteer and he didn't moderate that for the London electorate, which is broadly pro-Europe. On the other hand, uh, that was a, a silly thing to do campaigning. Yeah, when the when business in London is so is is, biz, is big business, it's banks and it's big international companies. Um, okay, well, I think we've pretty like well chewed over those election results, have we? Don't tell me there's someone we missed. Don't make me do the police and crime commissioner, Stephen. <laughs> Uh, the police what and are the crime commission. From the police and crime commission. Vera Baird got re-elected. Yeah, Vera, the only one I heard of. Vera Baird, who uh, defended uh, the mining miners' families involved in Ogmore, got re-elected, which is wonderful news. Uh, I mean, to be honest, what we've learned from police and crime commissioners is that you cannot just devolve power to areas where people do not have an immediate tribal. Uh, identity, which I think is something to watch for next year when we have the first elections to, yes, Greater Manchester, yes, Merseyside, which do have a stronger identity, but also some slightly weird places drawn up in a map in Whitehall, like the West of England and Anglia. And on that wonkish final thought. Top wonking. Um, Thanks, Henry, for joining us. You're very welcome. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. listening to the New Statesman podcast presented by me Helen Lewis with Stephen Bush our producer is India Bork and our music is Devil with the Devil by the Underscore Orchestra licensed under Creative Commons you can find us on iTunes or at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together, we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. Follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts.